All right, uh, let me just go ahead and, and uh, prepare you. Um, <clears throat> you should have an insert. To be honest, I don't... Yeah, there you go. You've got an insert uh, in your bulletin. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you're lucky you got one this week. Um, but you got one. But there's got to be some changes made, all right? Uh, I'm sorry, my mind's been all over the place. And um, when I emailed Jeannie the insert, I emailed her Romans 61 through 14. So I, the next morning, I got a call about 7.45. Hey, Mac, this doesn't make any sense. What, a, what am I supposed to do with this? So uh, I sent her the wrong title and the wrong scripture. So you're going to have to pencil through. Uh, a little bit of that or mark out whatever you want or you can just go with it however you want okay um, but the title actually needs to be how do I not what now uh, how do I and I'm going to change the first point uh, there and it's going to be how do I live under grace I'm going to tell you it's it's pretty amazing um, I, I love uh, and I didn't mention this two weeks ago I should have um, but it's amazing how the choir and the songs that they sing end up um, going right along with the message. Uh, Mark and I have not talked, uh, and to my knowledge, this choir special, they've been practicing for weeks, right? Um, and then they sing that today, and a lot of what they sung about is what we're going to be talking about this morning in Romans chapter 6, and I just, I think that's just amazing how God knows and how God works uh, in those ways to tie those two things together. Uh, But it is Mother's Day, uh, and so my mom's not here, so I can talk about her a little bit. Um, I've got a few stories I'm going to share about my mama, uh, and then we're going to jump into uh, Romans chapter 6 and walk through uh, a couple of verses together, uh, if that's okay. Uh, with you all, all right? Um, So a few stories uh, about my mama, and it it ties into what we're going to talk about uh, this morning, but I told our youth uh, Wednesday night uh, a story that I I remember, uh, and I will always remember uh, this story about my mom. I couldn't have been more than six or seven years old, but I remember we were snowed out that day from school, so school was canceled, uh, and my mom had a Plymouth van, it was maroon in color, uh, red, and for whatever reason, uh, we decided to go to town. We decided to go to Seneca, and so we jumped in the van, and my mom's going down the road, and in Crossroads, where uh, the gas station sits, where uh, Crossroads Baptist, the road right there at Crossroads Baptist, and 59 kind of join, uh, if, you'll, if you'll pay attention, uh, 59, it kind of, there's a little bit of a hump there right where the road merges together um and and so we're headed down the road down 59 and we hit that little hump and must have been black ice or something but our van did a complete 180 we were headed towards Seneca in that direction we hit something and her van spun facing back towards fair play she didn't say a word she didn't look at anybody Me and my brothers didn't say a word that I remember or do anything. And she hit the gas and we went home. (laughs) And she never said a word. They asked me Wednesday night if I've ever talked to her about it, and I haven't. 
But it being Mother's Day, I may ask her if she remembers that and why she didn't, she didn't say anything. Not a word. She just kept going, right? I will always remember that story in that van. Um, even in that van, uh, y'all, y'all know this, uh, I, I thought of, you know, Mama's arm, right? When I rode in the front seat with Mama, whether I had my seatbelt on or not, Mama's arm when she hit the brakes, right? I mean, there's just something about that right arm. It's just instinctively going to come out like that, right? Forget about the seatbelt leaving a bruise. It was mama's arm, forearm, is going to give you a bruise across your chest when she hit the brakes. Like, it always just came out, right? Y'all remember where roses used to be? Where I think Planet Fitness or Staples or something down in there? Y'all remember that? I've got two older brothers, so I always had to fight for myself, you know, and defend myself. They're six, seven years older than I am. So again, I was somewhere around six or seven years old and, you know, always getting picked on, always, you know, uh, the brunt of all their jokes and whatever. And uh, the worst spanking I ever got from my mama was right there on that sidewalk before you walk into Roses. Um. I tried to explain, or I think at least I tried to explain, that wasn't my fault. My brother had on sweatpants, right? You just, you just don't do that with a six or seven-year-old brother that you've been picked on, or you've been picking on all day. So the doors swung open into roses, and I ran up behind my brother and just went <laughs> straight to his ankles. Worst spanking I ever got from my mama. And I can tell you, I can count on one hand how many times I got spanked by my daddy. My daddy didn't have to spank me too much. But my mama, that was the worst spanking that I ever, ever got. Uh, even though it was my brother's fault. Um, one, of, uh, one of the best stories about my mama, though, that uh, I'll, I'll forever remember um, was uh, my freshman year in college when I, when I left Southern Westland. Uh, and didn't really know what God was going to do with my life. I had no idea uh, what was going on, why I was leaving, uh, but just knew that wasn't where I was supposed to be. And I remember my mom meeting me in Clemson uh, at a Mexican restaurant um, and sitting across the table from the restaurant. Um, she asked me, she said, Mac, are you sure this is what you're supposed to be doing? And, and I remember answering, yeah, I think so. Uh, and, and what my mom continued to, to pour into me uh, and to tell me that day was, I've got to follow what God has called me to do. Whatever that looks like, uh, how, whatever it takes. Uh, and and that's, that's what I, I choose to always remember about my mom is she always pushes me to pursue Christ and to pursue God's will for my life. That's a good mama, right? That's a good mama. Uh, so how do I? Boy, I'm sure we've asked that question a lot, right? How do I? We hear that question a ton from our kids, don't we? How do I? How do I? Well, Paul is writing to the church in Rome and the people in Rome uh, here in Romans chapter 6. And as we talked about two weeks ago, I envision this book 
uh, as Paul painting a picture, Paul connecting dots, right, for the church in Rome of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And as he's connecting dots, this picture that he is painting, these dots that he is connecting is a picture of Jesus. And the, 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 the question that Paul is going to answer here is how do I live for Jesus? What does a new life in Christ look like? And that's what he's going to answer for us here in Romans chapter 6. We'll start reading in verse 1 in Romans chapter 6 and go through verse 14 together. You've got it on the screen there if you want to follow along or if you've got your copy in your hand, follow along there. Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Paul says, What should we say then? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For if we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is free from sin's claims. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. Verse 9, because we know that Christ having been raised from the dead, no longer dies. Death no longer rules over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once for all. But in that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its desires and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons, I'm sorry, for righteousness. Verse 14, for sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I just pause right now to pray that your will would be done in these next few moments. As we've read your word and we begin to to dive into it, to study it, and to apply it, Lord, would you just have your way? Speak to our hearts, speak to our minds. And may your will be accomplished first and foremost. Father, we love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. So here we go. Romans chapter 1, or chapter 6, verse 1. How do I live 
under grace. Paul's question in Romans 6 verse 1, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may multiply? That question comes from chapter 5 verse 20 where Paul says the law came along to multiply the trespass but where sin multiplied grace multiplied even more. He wanted to make sure that they understood what he meant when he said what he said in verse 20 in chapter 5. Because some could take that verse and, and, uh, and, and imply or think that Paul is implying that once I am saved, once I am under the grace of God, I can just sin and continue to live in sin because God's grace will cover it. And Paul's saying, not so far. Not so far. It's not about just making sure that I I get saved and then I just live my life the way I want to live. Salvation is freedom to live, not freedom to sin. Make sense? That's the point that Paul is trying to get across. That salvation is, about, is, is simply about you. You have freedom. You are free now. You are set free to live. Not set free to sin. It's not this, we've heard this phrase, it's, it's not this idea of having fire insurance. All right, I've been saved. Uh, I've given my life to Jesus. That's good enough. Now I'm just going to go live and do however I want. You might need to check something if that's how you're going to live your life. Because when I read and think about salvation, that's not what I get from it. So Paul goes on to say in verse 2, he answers this question, absolutely not. Right? Absolutely not. And then he goes on to say, how, how can we? If we've died to sin, how can we still live in it? If you've accepted Jesus, if you've confessed your sins, you've recognized your need for a Savior, and you've given your life to Christ, how can you continue to live in habitual sin? expecting or thinking and believing that God's grace will cover. Now, there's no limit to God's grace. But I still don't believe that it's just a get-out-of-jail-free card, that I can just live my life the way I want to. And because God's grace has been multiplied, that it'll be okay. You know, that's kind of like, uh, you know, knowing that there's a line that you can't cross, right? And, and getting as close to that line as you possibly can. Or even standing on the line. You follow me? 
if, if that is the point, then what is the point? Well, tell me how far I can go. Tell me how much I can do. And that's how far I'm going to go. Might need to have a little heart to heart with Jesus if that's the way that we're going to approach it. Right? You know what I mean? Paul says absolutely not. How can we? How can we? If we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? I read one commentator, he, he said this. He said, you know, as a believer, when, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, your relationship with sin completely changes. It completely changes. It's no longer something that has power over you. And as a result, we should no longer live in habitual sin. He goes on to say in verse 3, Or are you unaware? Or did you not know? Or did you forget? Some translations say. Did you forget that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death you see his death Jesus' death was the ultimate death and the only death required or necessary to pay the penalty for our sin we can't forget that we can't forget the power of Jesus' death burial and resurrection because it's through his death burial and resurrection that we have the forgiveness of our sin. Now, number two, how do I walk in a new way? As Paul says, how do I walk in a new way? As he says in verse four, he says in verse four, therefore we were baptized or we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too we may walk in a new way of life. How do we do that? Here's a dot that Paul is connecting, right? In this picture of Jesus, the dot that he's connecting is he's comparing the the burial of Jesus to the death of our sins. When he talks about walking in a new way or being baptized in a new way. You know, when we baptize folks right up here, right? The saying goes that, that they're, they're going down their old self and up new, right? And that's just a symbolism of what's happened in their hearts. There's no power in that water. Their, their, their relationship with Jesus starts here, right? And that's just a symbol of that transformation that's happened in their life. So I think the, the, the point that Paul is really trying to make is that a true believer, a true believer will continue to, to, to want to know and want to pursue how do I grow closer to Christ? How do I? How do I live in a new way. Because my old self is gone. 
That temptation of sin, whatever that might be that you've dealt with in the past, it might still be there, right? But your relationship with that is completely changed now that you've accepted Jesus. And you're not at it alone. Because that sin that you've dealt with, that sin that you've faced and you've battled and you've been defeated by has been won. It's been defeated. And Christ defeated it for you. You can't face that on your own anymore. I think the other thing that I think about when I think about walking in a new way is the fact that, you know, old habits have to change. We have to recognize the sin that's in our life. And by recognizing those sins in our life, we put up guardrails in our lives. Because we know that that's still there. And we know that we have victory over it. But we have guardrails. Think about going down the highway. Was it just good enough for the highway department to put the white line on the side of the road that many of you like to ride on? Right? No. Because most people just look at that as, that's just a white line. I got two more feet of road on the other side of that white line I can use. Right? But the highway department came in and said, you know what, we're going to put a guardrail there. Right? You see, we know that it's there, We've got to put guardrails up to prevent us from going there, right? And that helps us walk in a new way. It says in verse 5, For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Understanding to walk in a new way is a process. It's understanding that that sin in your life no longer has power over you. That's all Paul's saying, that you're not enslaved to it anymore. You don't have to be, because that sin has been defeated for you already. Since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. Now, I want to skip down to verse 12 and answer our third point, and then we're, we're finished. We'll land the plane. And How do I live out Romans 6, 12 through 14? How do I live this out? I think it's always important when we see the word therefore in Scripture. Because what Paul's going to, tell us in 12 through 14 is basically reiterating what he's already talked about. Right? But he says in verse 12, how do I live this out? Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons 
for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. Paul's basically saying, yes, yes, you have the power. Because of Jesus, you have the power to not let sin rule and reign over your life. Because you now belong to Jesus. That's power. That is true power. Knowing and understanding who I belong to. And I think sadly, a lot of times, this is where Christians sit. They sit in this camp of, I have no power. I struggle with sin, and I can't defeat it. Well, you're right. You can't defeat it. You will never defeat it. Because it's something that you alone can't defeat. But through Jesus, it has been defeated. And through Jesus, right, you can be victorious over your sin. It's just a simple lie that Satan wants you to believe. It's a simple lie that Satan continues to pound in your head and in mine. That we're never good enough. That we'll always fall short. That sin will always enslave us, as Paul says, or entangle us. And that we'll never be able to claim victory over it. And Paul's saying the exact opposite right here. He says in verse 14, For sin will not rule over you. Why? Because of grace. Because of God's amazing grace. I deserve death. I deserve hell. But because of God's amazing grace, the sin that I have in my life, I confess. I'm convicted of it and I confess it. And through that confession, I'm offered forgiveness. And I'm given that forgiveness. And through that forgiveness, I'm drawn closer to Him. But guess what? In that pursuit of Him, guess who doesn't stop? Satan. But you see, I think it's, I think to me, it is just, it's a mindset. Yeah, it starts here. And it's got to be believed here. But it's also got to be here in our minds that we constantly tell ourselves and constantly remind ourselves. Paul said, right, in verse 3, have you forgotten? Are you you unaware? Y'all, we cannot forget that Christ has already paid for our sin debt. And because of that, I am free to live not free to sin but free to live and through that freedom when I do screw up when I do trip up when I do sin that I'm convicted and through that conviction I confess and as I confess that sin 
I, I proclaim that I don't, I don't want that in my life. I don't want that to be a part of who I am. And that if it takes sirens, if it takes bright lights, if it takes guardrails, if it takes a wall, I don't care what it takes, but keep it away. And give me the power and give me the strength to charge ahead, pursuing Jesus. How do I do it? I think the mentality that Jesus had is the best. And I think his mentality is whatever it takes. It's what Jesus believed. Whatever it takes. You know what it took? It took his life. I think for you and I, we've got to walk into this life every single day, willing, I'll say it this way, being all in, right? To doing whatever it takes. How do I do it? Listen, for me, that might be completely different than you. And the way it is for you might be completely different for me. But we've got to do whatever it takes. Because the temptation and the sin that I struggle with might not be the same for you and it might not be as hard for you and vice versa. So that's why I'm saying, how do I do it? It's whatever it takes. It's whatever it takes. But one thing's for sure, you can't do it alone. And you'll never do it alone without the one who paid your sin debt for you. And that's Jesus. That's the first thing that you've got to recognize and understand is that you can't do it alone. And if you've tried and tried and tried and tried, I can tell you what the result was every single time. Failure. Emptiness. Brokenness. Lostness. And the only way to have victory in your life is through Jesus. And understanding your desperate need for him. That's the next dot that you need to connect in your life. Is recognizing your sin and understanding your need for a savior who paid your sin debt. A debt that you will never be able to pay on your own. And then you can ask the question, how do I? How do I pursue Jesus even more? It's a process, a daily process. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, we just want to come to you right now. Thank you for this time and thank you for the opportunity we've had to uh, just study your word and and to, to learn more about what it means and what it looks like to follow you. Lord, we know that sin is real and it is evident all over the place. And it's something that because of our flesh that we struggle with. Thank you that there's a way to be forgiven and to be cleansed and made new through your son, Jesus. Father, I pray for that one soul that might be here today that has never come face to face with that choice of where they stand before you right now. 
and they've never confessed their sins and they've never accepted the free gift of salvation through Jesus and the blood he shed on the cross. Father, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Would you convict their hearts, God? They wouldn't be able to walk out of here, leave here today without making sure that they are made right and made new with you. And Father, for that believer that is struggling, maybe there's an area in their life or something going on in their life that they're just struggling with. And Father, it's pulling them away from you. I pray that they would spend some time in the next few moments just seeking and searching out your very heart and desire for their life. And that God, you would give them something to take away, to to put in place in their life that would give them hope, that would change their perspective, and Father, that would draw them closer to you. Father, during these next few minutes, I just pray, I pray that your spirit would move and that your will would be done. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.